I have a date tonight at 5.30. And so sometime this afternoon, I am going to send maybe a black and white photo of my breasts in a sexy bra to my boyfriend and be like, I can't wait to feel your hands all over me. Oh, I like that. This is great. episode, we are talking about freedom of sexual expression, freedom of expression in bed this month. And I am very pleased to welcome you back, Ashley. I'm really excited because we had a great discussion last time and I'm, I'm happy to have you back. This is Ashley Manta, sex and relationship coach and expert. Um, and I might just toss in there that our other episode was about sex and cannabis as well as how to help someone who might dissociate during sex. So I really recommend that episode too, if you haven't listened to it yet. Welcome back, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this topic because I think it's, um, it's kind of uh, edgy. Like it's a, I feel like dirty talk is a risk for a lot of people and therefore a lot of people might stay away from it, but I think it can actually add a ton to your sex life. So I'm really happy to hear from you, an expert who can kind of guide us through it. I am so excited to talk about Dirty Talk. I think people do find it a bit daunting and I want to make it feel easier and something that is very attainable and and maybe just reframe it as instead of it being this kind of performative thing that it's just sexy communication. Yeah. I really want to, um, I'd love to kind of sort of separate out because there's, there's dirty talk, um, in the context of a new partner. So someone that you're dating, um, maybe sleeping with for the first time or within the first weeks or months of dating. And then there's bringing dirty talk into a relationship where you might be more established as a couple. And I'm curious to hear from you. Do you feel like you know, those are different because I feel like there could be some, some differences there. I suspect that there would be differences in perhaps approach anxiety, or if it feels like there's a lot at stake, especially in a longer term relationship where you're afraid of, you know, what if they judge me? What if they leave me for this? You know, what if I say something and and they really hate it? Whereas I suspect with a new partner or someone that you are not as attached to, maybe a casual lover, that you might be a little bit more adventurous because you don't have as much, you know, perceptibly to lose if if it goes badly. Yeah. Um, but I could also see arguments on the other side for both. Yeah, it's interesting. In my own sex research, this one quote really jumped out at me, which was, um, we were talking, I was asking people about communication and this one woman said, I have no problem telling a fling what I want, but when it comes to my partner, I don't want him to think I'm a dirty whore. So she oh, was wow. saying that she, she holds back in terms of what she really wants sexually because she doesn't want to be judged by someone she's in a long-term relationship with, but she feels more free to communicate with a short-term partner. And I think that's really interesting because I imagine that 
um, there are probably people on both sides of those of that equation. Some people would feel safer with a long-term partner mm-hmm. and some people would be the opposite. I completely agree. I, I could definitely see arguments on both sides. And for me, I prefer to be in a relationship, a long-term relationship with someone that I can be open with. Like that's sort of one of my qualifying aspects of a human is, are you someone that I can be completely open with about my just most dirty and depraved fantasies and that you will, even if you're not into them, that you'll at least celebrate that that's a thing that I'm into. And that's something that I would need to be in a long-term relationship with someone. But there are others who are like, no, I have to hide that from my person because what if they judge me? It's like, ooh, okay, I get that. But mm, that's really crunchy dynamics. I think that that goes both ways because I work with men and I think there are a lot of men that are afraid of being judged as Mm. um, creepy or disgusting Mm. or gross or perverted if they are open about their desires or their fantasies or their dirty talk, for example. And it seems like for women, it's more like this person's going to think I'm a slut. They're going to think that I'm, I'm dirty in a different way. Like I feel like men's number one uh, fear is being seen as creepy. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem to be the same for women. Women's fear, at least around this is more like he's going to think I'm uh, a slut. Like I'm going to be judged and I'm going to be seen as less than basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, um, in your own experience of dirty talk, do you feel like you went on a journey of becoming more comfortable with it? Like how did that happen? What's been your own personal experience? Absolutely. I was terrible at dirty talk for a long time. I had all of the self-consciousness. I felt awkward. I didn't know what to say. I would kind of stumble over my words and look at the ground and, and feel very bashful. And over time, I kind of got better at it. And then I became a phone sex operator. And then I got really good at it because I did it all the time for a year. (laughs) That is so interesting. Wait, can we, wait, can you, yeah, can you um, explain a little bit like about your own journey from, you know, day one of doing that? Like, did they give you any recordings to start from? Did you just make it up as you went along? Like, how did you learn on the job, so to speak? I totally made it up as I went along. I made up my sexy voice. I created a whole persona for myself, which was very similar to me, although I used a different name, but it was kind of this sexpert, like, let me teach you all the things. Let me fulfill all your fantasies because nothing scares me kind of, of persona. And I did not have any kind of training from the company that I was working with. They were just like, all right, you need a landline and some stock pictures because most phone sex operators do not actually use their real pictures and go to town. And so, (laughs) and it was neat because I was learning on the job, but I was being paid to learn. And if I messed it up or if, if I stumbled over myself or I made a mistake, it was like, all right, well, that one's just probably not going to call again next. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, um, did you mess up? Like what, you know, did, did men, were all of your callers men? All of my callers were men. Did the men come with like fantasies they wanted to enact? Did they like, what was the, how did this, I'm very curious about how this worked. 
It varied. Some people would come and they would say things like, all right, I have this fantasy. I want you to do X, Y, Z and be very specific and have like really clear pictures of what it was that they wanted. And others would call and wouldn't know how to begin. They knew that they wanted to have phone sex, but they had no sense of their fantasies or or how to play it out. And so I would have to learn how to tease it out of them, literally and figuratively, and to kind of, okay, somebody's nervous. All right, so we're going to take a deep breath mentally because deep breaths and, and meditations are not quite this crowd's speed. But um, <laughs> I would say things like, oh, baby, you're so sexy. I can't wait to take your pants off. And usually my kind of fail-safe go-to was sloppy blowjobs. That was the most requested fantasy. And no one was ever sad about me vividly describing a sloppy blowjob for them if they didn't know what else they wanted. Nice. Okay. That's cool. Were there any other like patterns that you found that were requested multiple times? A lot of, of cheating on the spouse kinds of fantasies, like the, the dirty mistress, the going away with the fantasy girl for the weekend. Uh, There was a lot of of infidelity fantasies. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, some people would self-identify as religious folks. Like I I got a lot of Southern pastors who would self-identify as such. I mean, not as the Southern part that just, I could tell by the Southern drawl, but um, they tended to be really into the more uh, risque, edgy fantasies, which I found to be really interesting. When you say risque and edgy, do you mean like fisting or anal sex or was age play a lot of age play play. okay so meaning like pretend like you're 12 or something like that usually it was it was teenagers like pretend you're 14 you know yeah yeah situation but you know I, I I occasionally saw younger than that and it was of course all fantasy everyone was actually 18 but I was a no limits phone sex operator so I was willing to do yeah whatever yeah Interesting. And so this is a perfect, um, this is a perfect segue into dirty talk because that's all, I mean, that's the entire encounter was mm-hmm. dirty talk, right? Dirty talk. So, so I'm curious as a phone sex operator, like what did you learn about dirty talk in, in terms of your own, you know, self-expression? I learned the importance of being very descriptive. And always coming back to the body. So if you couldn't think of what to say, you could always be like, oh my God, my my heart is pounding and I can barely catch my breath and I'm so wet and my pussy is just flushed and aching for you. Like anything that you're doing that's talking about your, your in the moment experience is a really typically positively accepted dirty talk option. Totally. That's a, that's a, that's a great tip. Um, I'm wondering in terms of, um, the other way around, like, do you, do you think it's the same for when men are talking about their experience? I think it depends on the person. And so my, my big tip for people who are looking to include, incorporate dirty talk into their relationships is actually have a pre-talk. You don't want to just roll out dirty talk in the middle because you may say something that ends up being offensive or 
just not, you weren't expecting it. Like you're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you dirty whore. And it's like, Whoa, Hey, where did that come from? <laughs> that yeah, may have totally. really offended me. Yeah. I think that's my, like, if, you know, the, with the men that I work with, I would say that's one of their biggest fears is like, fuck, I don't want to, I don't want to offend her. I don't want to trigger her. I don't want to upset mm-hmm. her. I don't want to like step on an emotional landmine. And mm-hmm. so I think that prevents them from, from trying anything because they're so afraid, like I'm going to say the wrong thing and then she's going to hate me. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about the pre-talk and like, how does, let's say a man even bring it up with his partner. This podcast is actually a perfect conversation opener. They could say something like, hey, I was listening to this awesome podcast with Melanie and she had this woman come on talk about dirty talk. And I think that might be a cool thing for us to try. What do you think? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Great, great plug for the podcast. I mean, I am all about using the easy ins for conversation starters. I tell people all the time who come to my workshops or who coach with me, I'm like, use me, blame this shit on me that you got the idea from. It's fine. I can take it. And, and that kind of opens up the door to say, Hey, you know, I want to, I heard about this. What do you think about it? Like, what does that bring up for you when I suggest this? Does it feel exciting? Does it feel scary? Are you nervous? Oh, okay. You're nervous. Hey, me too we can do this. I believe in us. And there's all these things online called yes, no, maybe lists. And I'm a big proponent of yes, no, maybe lists, both for sexual activities, as well as for dirty talk as a, what words really turn me on and what words are no, no words. (laughs) Yeah. I love this because, so I have a, a woman friend who was dating a guy and she really likes to be called, um, his dirty little slut, like, mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're my dirty little slut. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Do you like that? Like stuff like that. And what I found really interesting about it was that, um, she didn't want to be called a dirty little slut. Oh, you're such a dirty little slut. She wanted you're my dirty little slut. Like <laughs> there was an element of the possess the possession, like yes. that she was his. And I think that that's really important because like you said, you know, like the yes, no, maybe list Um, And we should probably explain what that is so that, I mean, people kind of understand like, yes is a yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No is a don't do this. Maybe is, I'm not sure. Let's try it and see how it, how it is. And And also let's negotiate like under what context or circumstances would that be a yes? Yeah. But I think that example is a great, uh, a great example of like the specificity Mm -hmm. of my dirty little slut feels really good to her, but you're a dirty little slut doesn't. Right. So like, there's going to be things that you discover as a couple that you didn't necessarily know beforehand. And I think that's a relatively common one for Mm -hmm. a lot of women is like, I want to feel claimed. I want to feel, um, yeah, that's really the word. It's like, I want to feel claimed. I want to feel like I'm yours. You want me. I'm special. You know, there's something about that, like your mind energy that feels pleasurable, especially in bed sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Um, whereas, like, you're a dirty little slut can trigger all of the messages that we got as as girls and young women about, like, you're bad and dirty and wrong because of sex. Like, because you have sex, because you've had sex. You know, there's – women have a lot of uh, trauma around that. Mm-hmm. So it can be, I don't know, really useful to kind of, like, actually specify like, what, what feels good and what doesn't and to kind of let it 
unfold too, right? Like I'm imagining that, like you said, like, I believe in us as a couple, like, I think we can do this and going in as a team and, and discovering like with a spirit of discovery, like, let's see what this is for us instead of like, shit, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And it's all going to crash down around my ears. Exactly. It's the team us approach, not me versus you. And, and you're right. Context matters. Some people really don't want to hear themselves called a slut, but my slut is super sexy. I'm one of those people. I love the ownership claiming aspect that totally does it for me. And my boyfriend has started like whispering mine in my ear as he comes inside me. And it's my favorite thing in the whole world. Oh, that's kind of sweet. I love it. Did you, would you say that you knew that from the beginning about that claiming energy or is that something that you uh, discovered? I didn't know it from the beginning because it very much varies from partners to partner. Um, I wouldn't want a casual lover to say that. Like for me personally, I belong to one person and I've only ever felt like I belonged to one person. And so if somebody had done that before I met that person, I probably would have also been like, I'm not yours. Like I belong to myself. Yeah. 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 But but this one human, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I belong to you. Like, that's just, that's just a fact of nature. Just like I have blue eyes. Like it's just an unchanging And that is, I think a great example of what I brought up at the beginning of the the kind of dirty talk that's going to work in a casual or dating relationship, I think is different than what's possible when you're with a committed partner where maybe there's, there's more trust there. So it's not like dirty talk is the same all the time. Like you said it, you know, it's going to depend on the partner and it's going to depend on the relationship. Absolutely. It fully depends on the the partner, the relationship, even sometimes like the time of month, you know, when your hormones are doing one thing, it can be, you can be want, you can, wow, words, you can want really primal, lustful, frenzied, intense energy. And sometimes you want soft sweetness and, oh, I love the way your skin feels against my fingers. And sometimes it's like, I'm going to ride you until you can't take it anymore. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. It's the, the feminine is always changing. And I think that's, you know, something that can be challenging for the masculine of like, but this worked last week. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. Like, well, we're always changing, but that's part of what's so interesting about us. Like that's kind of part of the package. Um, And I'd love to go back to the pre-talk. Like when you're uh, coaching people through this, let's say it's the man who's bringing it up. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you recommend like starting with a yes, no, maybe list or how do you recommend sort of like kicking things off? I would have a yes, no, maybe list handy, but the first thing I would do is really start with this whole, I have an idea conversation. And because if the person that is receiving this request is just a straight hell no, and no, that creeps me out. That doesn't turn me on. I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, that's kind that may be the end of the conversation. So it's good to get at least a cursory, like, huh, I'd be open to that. Like, tell me more. I'm curious. Like you need to at least establish baseline interest to move forward. And then that's when you can say, well, there's this thing. And, and if you go through and you circle the words that like turn you on and like cross out the words that you really don't like, and I'll do the same. And then we can compare. And if you're afraid of 
being able to remember in the moment what words were a yes and which words were a no, or you feel like uninspired, like you can't just say the thing. I really encourage folks to practice as kind of a a softball by having their partner who's receiving the dirty talk be blindfolded. And then the person who is doing the dirty talk can read to them out of a book of erotica so that they're saying the dirty things, but it doesn't feel as nerve wracking because they're not your words. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Can you say more about that as a, like, as a beginning, like where would, are you saying like a man would say, let's try this. I'll blindfold you and read you a story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And where would a man procure such story? You can find them anywhere. There's lots of free ones online. If you want really, really good quality, there's a woman named Rachel Kramer Bussell, B-U-S-S-E-L, who has edited over 50 anthologies of erotica and, what I encourage you to do, this is sort of a two-step process. Like you have the conversation, you say, hey, I want to try this thing with you. You give your partner that book of erotica and a highlighter and they go through and they highlight anything that turns them on. And then you go through in a different color and highlight anything that turns you on. And so that gives you, that does two things. It, one, it gives you really valuable information on where you overlap and where you diverge. And two, you can go through and read the passages to them that turned them on so you know that it's going to go great from the beginning. I really like this idea. I really, I think there's something powerful about um, not having to express first yourself. Meaning if, you know, let's say I'm in a relationship with a guy and he comes to me with this idea. I personally would feel nervous of like, oh shit, like what if I do it wrong? I don't know how to do this. You know, I'm nervous. But if I can read something that already exists and just see where I feel turned on, like if I can choose from a list kind of thing, that's going to make me feel a lot more comfortable. And it's like giving me ideas so that I don't feel like I have to come up with everything myself. Because I could see some people being like, oh my God, what if I, what if I can't do it? Like, what if I don't know how to do dirty talk? What if, you know, I'm not creative enough to like make this happen for my partner. And you don't have to be super creative. Some people are, especially people who do like tabletop gaming, people who play Dungeons and Dragons, I have found there is a huge crossover of people who do like nerdy role play games who are really good at dirty talk. (laughs) That's funny. Or who are creative writers and are really good at dirty talk or songwriters. Like people who work with language on a regular basis tend to find this a little bit easier. But if you're not that person, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken even just kind of putting on a slightly sexier voice, playing with what happens if you slow down, how you form the words, how you punctuate your sentences. I like to go really slow and just tease out every single word. And I'm not saying anything particularly dirty, but it sounds kind of hot the way I do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does. It sounds like a phone sex operator. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, I've heard from men, I've heard from a man once that he was sleeping with this woman and he really liked her, but he was like, I feel like she's trying to perform in bed and she's Mm -hmm. using like lots of noises and being really, you know, overly expressive and it it's a turnoff like it's it that doesn't turn me on because it doesn't feel authentic and I think that is probably one of the like bigger fears when people are thinking of dirty talk is like well 
do I, am I going to have to act like a porn star? Am I going to have to act like someone I'm not? And mm. I'm curious what you, cause I'm sure you've heard that before. Like, what do you say to those kinds of people? Well, first of all, you don't have to act like a porn star or anyone else. You can just be you. And that is sexy in and of itself. Um, people do tend to have like conflicting feelings about the performative nature of being really vocal or doing a lot of dirty talk and, and people are like, oh, they're just putting on a show. Okay. As a kind of contrapositive to that, so what if they are? What if they care so much about you? They're enjoying yourselves so they're they're enjoying you and them together so much that they want to be extra super expressive so you know exactly how much fun they're having. That's a potential reframe. Totally. And I, this is a good um, question too that I had about the subject, which is how do you, let's say, um, you know, how do you communicate if, like, for example, let's say that there's the couple and he tries out, um, you're a dirty little slut and mm-hmm. she gets triggered. Like she like something doesn't work for her there. Like she doesn't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you recommend? Like in terms of telling your partner that, cause I think a lot of people, it's, it's very scary to sort of let your partner know, at least this comes up in my research all the time of how to tell someone that you don't like something sexually, especially if you are involved with that person, you want them to like you, like you're yeah, of course. you. And so you don't want them to feel criticized, but you sure. also didn't like, you know, that one phrase. Absolutely. So I would do a couple of things. First of all, I assume good intent and I expect all partners to assume good intent that if you say something wrong, it, you were trying to be sexy. You're not trying to be a douchebag. You're not trying to be insulting. And so starting with assuming good intent. And if, you know, I would caution people from using words that are potentially triggering, like slut, like whore, like fat, like um, dirty. I would check in about those words before using them, which kind of goes back to the yes, no, maybe list. But if you slip, if you say something that just like straight up doesn't work, having an established upfront that you are going to be able to call a safe word, like, oh, red, that word doesn't work for me. And that it's just information. It's not a criticism. It's not you're bad or wrong. It's just like, oh, hey, you need to know that that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up red because I think this is another thing that maybe not everyone knows about, but it is really useful is red, yellow, green. So we talk about safe words in our culture in like a strange way, like pineapple, (laughs) like your safe word. And like, yeah, okay, some people use pineapple, but in my experience, a lot more people use red, yellow, green mm-hmm. because it's, it, it's a more nuanced way of like yellow, you know, like it lets your partner know we're approaching the edge. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're getting, we're, we're nearing the edge. Like that's close for me. Um, hasn't crossed the line, but then if they say red, it's like, okay, like, you know, that's the, the let's stop and check in. Like what's, how are you kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering like, can you speak to that at all in terms of your own personal experience? Like starting to use that kind of thing with partners? Did you feel like there was a learning curve around that of like learning how to speak up in those moments or how was that for you? I had some shame early on with partners about safe wording because I worried that they would judge me for tapping out. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's common. Yeah. I was very hesitant to safe word because 
there was one part of me that was afraid that even if I safe worded, they wouldn't stop, which is a huge red flag. Like if, if you're worried that your partner is not going to respect your safe word, like that's a, a something that you want to take a look at in your relationship. But the other piece was, oh my gosh, if I, if I safe word, they're going to think that I'm, you know, if we're doing impact, let's say that I'm a wimp because I can't take like a good beating or that I'm too sensitive. So I had to, you know, tap out. That's, that was my own fear and shame. And if I had had better partners early on, and what I mean by that is partners that would never leave me in a place where I'm wondering if they're going to respect my safe wording, um, I probably would have had like a more trustworthy situation where I would have been like, oh, okay, I feel comfortable. I know that you're not going to judge me. I'm assuming like that you're a solid human, but I had pretty bad taste back in my early twenties. So in my later <laughs> years, later, I'm only 33, but from, you know, 29, 30 till now, I've been with a, one main partner and then a series of other partners who are so consent focused and so would be thanking me if I safe worded. They would be celebrating like, wow, good for you. You took care of yourself. Like, yay. Thank you for that information. I want to show up exactly the ways that work for you. And I wouldn't want to put you through anything that you don't like. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And that's something that I also teach in my course is especially for men to know if, if you do get any feedback or if she does say yellow the magic words are, thank you for telling me. Yes. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me. Because if she's brave enough to actually speak up about something, it's for most people I know, men and women, but especially women, it's really vulnerable. Yes. And we are expecting you to um, attack us or withdraw or, or shame us or like pick from a list of negatives. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think a lot of men might just listen to the feedback and sort of like incorporate it. But what really helps is thank you for telling me. Yes. Like, I appreciate that you told me and like, you know, sort of smoothing the way of like, I always, I really want to know, like, I always want to know it's safe to tell me. Absolutely. And I would expand that from, and I'm sure you do too, not just safe wording, but really for any feedback. If I'm squeezing your dick too hard, if I'm going too fast, if you need more lube, like any feedback that you're giving me is helping me be better at pleasing you. So the only appropriate response to feedback is thank you. Yeah. And it really helps in terms of the person doing, you know, giving you feedback again, like it, it just, and the other thing too, that I think is probably worth saying is I think that doing these kinds of practices in bed helps your relationship overall. Mm-hmm. When a partner, either one feels vulnerable and then feels met, that builds trust. That moment is when trust is built, at least in my experience and most of the people I work with. It's like, if I'm coming to you with something I'm sensitive about and I feel really heard and I feel really met there, I trust you more. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Okay. So um, back to the pre-talk, is that sort of the end of the, so you you bring it up, um, maybe you get the book of erotica, you do the highlights, and then um, when you're actually moving into using words in the bedroom, um, is there anything else people should know before they're, before they're there? Well, one step I like to put in as an optional upgrade, and this is This is definitely not for everybody because some people would think it's too silly, but one of the things that I hear so often is what if, what if I say something wrong and I ruin the moment? And my 
answer to that is get a sense of humor. Like (laughs) sex is silly. And sometimes you do sound a little ridiculous and that's okay. And so I encourage partners to actually practice and like kind of get all the sillies out up front and be like, oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous when I'm like, yeah, shove your big, thick cock down my throat, baby. And like, like try <laughs> to make each other laugh, try it out and like be playful about that. And like, be like, oh yeah, I don't like that at all. That's not going to work for me. And, and like kind of do kind of do a dry run basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not an athlete. I don't play sports. I'm terrible at those things. But ostensibly, if you are playing a sporting event, you don't just only play when it's competition time. You practice, you scrimmage, you, I don't know, do whatever sports ball people do. And sports ball people? Sports ball people. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you practice. And so do it. Actually practice and and be playful and silly about it because it helps you get closer and develop that that sweetness and that affection for each other because you remember that oh yeah we're we're both human and we're going to fuck up sometimes and that doesn't have to ruin the evening like we put so much pressure on sex to be this perfect paragon of pleasure and it's like guys farts happen like it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point um i i'm i want to like um mentioned too that I'm assuming that dirty talk isn't just in the bedroom. Like I think, you know, um, for example, if you have a dream about your partner or if you have a fantasy about your partner, you can, you know, share that with them during the day. Like you can leave them a voice memo, for example, or there's other ways that you can share that aren't just during the, the actual time in the bedroom. Right. Absolutely. I love sexting with permission as always, But sexting as a lead up to date night, like let's say you have a date for me, I have a date tonight at 5.30. And so sometime this afternoon, I am going to send maybe a black and white photo of my breasts in a sexy bra to my boyfriend and be like, I can't wait to feel your hands all over me. Oh, I like that. This is great. No, this is really great. Because I think um, the, the, especially in longer term relationships, mm-hmm. the, that kind of um, sexting can go away. Like I think the sexting tends to be towards the beginning of a relationship, but I just really want to, yeah, name that that's really, really helpful, especially um, for women's turn on. Like, it, you know, in my sex research, one of the things that sort of surprised me. I was asking women about the men who are best in bed. And one thing that kept coming up was, you know, he put attention on me during the day leading up to the date, the date, Mm -hmm. like he, he was putting attention on me before we got together. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, very much a part of, of female arousal, you know, male arousal tends to be more visual. Everyone has everything. Um, but especially for women, like knowing that he's thinking about us, knowing that he wants us, like that's all really helpful for getting us turned on and kind of like revving the engine. And, you know, I, like, I, I love that example of the picture too, for, um, your boyfriend, because, you know, I don't know. I just think that's really sweet and sexy and would definitely turn on most of the men that I know. Absolutely. And really black and white makes pictures kind of instantly sexy. Now, of course, the caveat is do not send unsolicited dick pics. 
However, if your partner is like, no, really, I want to see a picture of your dick because it turns me on and I want to see what's going to be inside me later, then by all means do that. But like, take a moment and make it kind of thoughtfully composed and, and don't just, you know, pull your pants out and like shoot your phone down your pants. That's not sexy. Yeah. And I think also like the attention on the woman. So for example, like your ass looked incredible in your jeans yesterday we're yeah. like, I can't wait to bend you over the couch later. There's, there's a sense of attention on her, mm-hmm. right? And I've noticed in when I'm doing my surveys that that's part of what turns women on is it's not just, I'm so hard, but right. like, I'm so hard for you. Like, yes, you exactly. So there's like a nuance in terms of like the attention being on her. I could not agree more. Yeah. Having it directed at the person who is wanting to feel very turned on is a good thing. And and so play to what turns them on. I've had situations where my boyfriend has just sent me, like I've sent him something sexy and his reply is sending me a picture of kind of a bulge through his pants, not even the naked penis, but just like, you just made me really hard at work by sending me that, like that feels really good and that you're turned on by me or I can't wait. That Those are some of my favorite phrases. I can't wait to kiss you. I can't wait to stroke you. I can't wait to feel you pressed up against me because that's demonstrating that desire and that looking forward to getting close. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I also, um, in terms of the like examples or if you want to hear you know, how other people do it. Um, I don't know if you listeners have heard of this or I'm actually, I'm sure you have, but there's an app called Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, Dipsy. Mm -hmm. And they have erotica stories Mm -hmm. that are about like eight to 11 minutes each. So they're pretty Mm bite-sized. And they have all different categories. So they have hetero, they have um, woman to woman, man to man. They have all kinds of erotica stories. Um, But what I really like about them is it's one of the few places that I've heard women in sexual situations sort of speaking up for what they want or what they like or what they're wanting in that moment. And um, I just, I find it empowering, like in a, in a very welcoming way. Mm -hmm. So women or man or couples can use them too, because I think they're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're definitely a turn on. Um, They are sort of, they're women run. And so they're, they're, woman focused, meaning like there's story, there's a story, mm-hmm. like there's connection between the people that are, um, that are getting together. And I just think it's a really good example of like actually hearing it in action. I think erotica is such a great option. And, you know, I love porn. I'm a fan. A lot of my friends are porn stars, but porn as fantasy is fine. Porn as this is what I want to enact in my real life is a little bit tricky, but erotica, I find it tends to be more in the realm of the real a lot of the time, especially like women. Well, that's, that's an overgeneralization, but like there tends to be a lot of romance and seduction and you don't see a lot of that in, in visual porn. It tends to go straight for the penetration and the, the sexiness. Yeah. So I, I really, I like that as yeah, an option. I, agree. I think it's a, it's a good, um, I think Dipsy has been like a positive influence on me personally. And I think I would, I would definitely recommend it to people that want to actually hear like what, you know, what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great site. I highly recommend it also. 
Cool. So um, we're going to start to wrap up here, but um, I'm wondering, is there anything else that you would want people to know about as they're getting started in Dirty Talk or becoming more, let's say they're already doing it and they want to get more advanced? Yes, I actually have a Dirty Talk online course. (laughs) Yeah, tell us about that. So you can learn about it from me directly. Um, So if you go to lovedirtytalk.com, you can download a free nine-page PDF that's kind of a get-started guide. It has some different words that you can try out and see what works well for you. It has some sentence stems so you can fill in the blank. It's like dirty Mad Libs. And it gives you some tips and tricks from my days as a phone sex operator and just making it a little bit easier and and starting to navigate those conversations. And then we'll have an online course through Elevated Intimacy Academy. And it's going to consist of three Zoom calls, which if you're not there live, you can get the recordings later. And we're going to go through everything from finding your sexy voice, negotiating. We'll do some practicing of this is what these words sound like when you string them together and, and inspiration for that, as well as how to navigate if awkwardness arises. A lot of the things we just talked about, but just kind of a deep dive into it because I want people to be able to give and receive feedback in real time. And I find that Dirty Talk is a really easy vehicle for that because, you know, I can't wait to, to have my fingers really deep inside you, but I won't do it until you're begging me for it is a really great sneaky consent question. Yeah. It's, right. it's a very sexy consent inquiry. And so there's ways to incorporate all of these techniques that we talk about and like what makes a great lover being consent focused, asking, giving feedback and doing it in a way that's kind of a turn on. Yeah. Because what I, what I hear in that is I want to, I want to do this to you and I'm going to respect your boundaries. Yes. So it's not just one or the other. It's, I'm never, it's not, I'm never going to do anything to you because I'm so scared that I'm going to cross your boundaries and you're going to hate me forever. Mm-mm. It's not, I'm just going to do things to you. It's, Mm-mm. I want to do this to you and I'm going to respect your boundaries. There's like yes. an and that I think is, yeah, that's what I'm finding more and more in my research is it's, it's all about the and it's all about the and. Yes. <laughs> it's absolutely the and. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And then can you also repeat the name of the woman with the erotica book? Yes. Her name is Rachel Kramer Bussell, B-U-S-S-E-L. And her books are all over Amazon. And uh, I believe Cleus Press has published most of them, C-L-E-I-S. But you can find them in bookstores and on Amazon and all over the place. Um, And they're just really, really fantastic. Every genre you can think of from like best women's erotica to BDSM to all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think it's also really cool. Like I think like the highlighter exercise you mentioned, even if you don't end up using the dirty talk in the bedroom, it's such a cool way of getting to know your partner better. Mm -hmm. It's a really special thing to, you know, like one of my girlfriends will read a book and she'll write all these like notes in the margin. And, and then sometimes she'll let me borrow the books and I'm like, Oh wow. Like I get to see what jumped out at her and what her little thoughts were. And I'm like, this is a really like, cool way of getting to know someone that I think, yes. um, I don't know, it's creative. I feel like there's a lot of power in that. I'm also a writer, so I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a that. feeling you would. I have to give full credit to my dear friend and colleague, Ducky Doolittle. She was the one who first turned me on, <laughs> pun intended, to that idea. <laughs> great. Well, thank you, Ducky. We appreciate it. <laughs> Ducky. Okay, great. 
Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Jason. You've probably heard me on at least a few episodes by now. And we coach together in part because we know that it's when the masculine and the feminine come together that we are the most powerful. So we wanted to let you know about a free training that we put together for you guys. It's about how to take back control of your love life. We are absolutely inspired to help guys like you take all of the amazing ideas that Mel has introduced to you on this podcast and actually put them into practice, bring them into your life to create lasting change. So if you're interested in that, just go to evolutionary.men slash training to sign up. If you've been looking for a way to go a little bit deeper than just this podcast, this is the opportunity for you. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training, and you're going to get a much deeper dive with Mel and I. 